Welcome into the 12th episode of the Sabermetrics Podcast, hosted by the Charging Buffalo. My name is Bill. Alongside me, as always, is Walt. Walt, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good. I mean, looking forward to talking about the Sabres, as always. I mean, bunch of topics this time with the draft, free agency, the Jack Eichel situation. It should be pretty busy this episode. Yeah, we're going to keep it moving here. We're going to try to keep it in a, like, a nice tight 45, nice, nice hour. Um, so let's just hop right into it. That's one of my favorite things. We don't have to read ads or anything like that. We can just hop right into it. The Seattle expansion draft. First of all, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, we don't really need to dive into that because like, we shouldn't really care. But I don't really understand what they're doing. They made zero side deals. But they took Will Borgen. Um, said to see him go. I really liked him. Um, but, I mean, he... He's probably not going to make their roster, or I mean, if he does, he's going to be like a seventh defenseman. At some point, he might even end up on waivers, and there's probably a pretty good chance that the Sabers might be able to claim him. Um, I hope they would, if if that's the case. But pretty much thinking it was either Miller or Borgen. So, um, what are your thoughts just on losing him? You know, the the likelihood of him coming back, and um, just pretty much everything that it that surrounded like Seattle and and you know, kind of what they're trying to do over there. Yeah, I mean, I was really adamant about like the Sabres expansion draft situation where they pretty much have to protect Ristolainen. I mean, I've never been the biggest Ristolainen supporter, but I mean, I knew there's definitely NHL teams out there that were interested in him, and it seems like that was pretty much the case with the return the Sabres got from Philadelphia in that Ristolainen trade. So, I mean, I think the outcome for the Sabres, even though you lose a player like Borgen, I mean... I feel like the Ristolainen trade return definitely makes up for that a little bit. And in terms of what Seattle's doing, I mean, pretty much screams like Jason Bottrell. I mean, I don't know how much he's actually like (laughs) in charge of that whole process there, but I mean, just the asking price was so high on taking back bad contracts. So teams just looked elsewhere. They lost out on all of those, just the side deals. They weren't really great at making those. I mean, even if they were even looking at making those, it didn't even seem like those were even on the table. And then, like, people are like, oh, maybe they're just going to, like, rebuild these first two years. I mean, I guess just start building with youth with the 2022 and 2023 drafts. But then they go out and sign some big free agents like Jaden Schwartz and Philip Grubauer. So that doesn't seem to be the case either. I mean, they should be, like, a pretty, like, middle-of-the-pack team. They're but... in a bad division, too. Yeah, from, from what it seems, so like that that should at least help them out, you know, keep them competitive. Yeah, I mean that'll help them out initially because it's like, I mean, maybe they could sneak into the playoffs, but it's still like, I feel like they could have been so much better than they are actually set to be on opening night. I think people got the false sense of this is how expansion teams work because you know expansion hadn't happened in a while, um, and Vegas came out 
like all pistols firing. Like they were, I mean, speaking just on side deals, that's how they got Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsha show like two massive guys for their team that, I mean, William Carlson was exposed and he exploded. So, I mean, you know, when it comes to Seattle versus Vegas, it's just not going to be the same thing. They're not going to be going to any, on any cup runs. I mean, if they do good on them, but that's also, you're not going to find anyone that's predicting that. So, um, yeah, I think at this point, it. <laughs> I do feel bad for them if it does scream Jason Botterill and he, you know, had his his say in on on most of that stuff. It's you know, good luck, my hat off to you guys. But um, I don't really understand it, but I'm sure they have a plan, and you know, maybe it's just taking a little bit for for others to to kind of catch on to what they're trying to do. I I just. I keep trying to think of like no no they're just trying to save cap space or or build through the draft but um, I mean unless they're selling off some guys for for assets it's not like they have a plethora of 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 draft picks I mean they have obviously their first second third fourth and, and stuff like that and I think they've added one for what was it Tyler Pitlick but besides that I mean yeah. they, they're gonna have to start dealing people so I mean it's still new um, so I think we just need to give them a little bit of time I'm like everyone else excuse me. I'm like everyone else. I don't understand it, uh, but at the same time, it's not really our concern. We have plenty to, to work with uh, concerning-wise when it comes to the Sabres. And so um, we kind of mentioned it a little bit uh, previously, but the trades that, that went through, uh, I'm just going to combine the two because that's the, the way I look at it is like the Reinhardt and Ristolainen trade. I honestly just kind of look at it like a, like a three-team trade kind of where you just kind of put them both together and they got the first round pick second round pick the conditional first levi um and robert hag for ristolainen and reinhardt so i mean yeah it was you know blow you off the the seat of your pants when it comes to you know ristolainen going to philly that was wild but then reinhardt's deal which apparently was coming out that teams weren't really going to be super happy with the arbitration that he was going to get. They think he was going to get about 7 to 7.5. So I'm assuming Florida is going to try to sign him for less than that. And that's why, you know, the Sabres probably got a better deal now than if they signed the arbitration and then he has he's able to walk to, to you know, unrestricted free agency instead of just restricted free agency and, and having Florida get to choose, you know, the contract that they offer him. So... Um, I mean, it's 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 tough. It's tough to see Reinhardt go for for that value. But at the same time, if you combine the two, overall, I was pretty happy. Um, I'm not sure if you you echo that at all. I don't think we we've even spoken on that privately. Is that is that kind of what you're thinking as well? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, Reinhardt. I don't know how much value you really could have even gotten out of him at this stage because I mean. I- he made it pretty clear in the off season that he's not interested in signing a deal or a long-term deal with the Buffalo Sabres. So it's pretty much like you just have to get whatever the market will give you at that point. You really don't have any other options. And it sounds like the Sabres held out for a first-round pick, which Florida was able to give them. Uh, they got more than like New York got in one of their deals for their RFA. So at the end of the day, it's not like a crazy return that I'd be really happy about, but I mean, it's the return you get. And I guess Kevin Adams just has to take what's offered to him at this point, especially in like that Sam Reinhardt situation. And then the wrist line of Philadelphia trade. I mean, we've seen how much these NHL teams value 
right-handed defenseman this offseason and that wrist aligning trade definitely falls like right in line with what we've seen so far so I mean just a great return for Kevin Adams there I mean the 14th overall pick which is really like the 13th overall pick after that Arizona forfeit and then you add on top of that a second round pick too and then I guess Robert Hawk could fill out the lineup I'm not really a huge fan of his but I mean at least he's a body for the Sabres team I mean just an all-around great trade there I, I think I mean who would have thought they could get a top half of the first round pick for Rista line. And so, yeah, definitely a big fan of that deal. And at the end of the day, I think those are two trades that really help kickstart this rebuild for the Sabres. Absolutely. And when you think of Reinhardt's deal, it is top 10 protected in 2022. Uh, so for any reason, Florida just bombs next year. Um, it is protected, but then it's unprotected in 2023 if that is the case. So I really don't think they're going to, I mean, they're a playoff team in my mind, like without a doubt. So I really think that's going to be a, a draft pick next year. And it sounds like next year's draft is pretty deep. We have plenty of time to talk about that. So we're not going to get into next year's draft just yet. But um, to finish out the trades when it comes to who the Sabres have, have gotten rid of or um, obtained, this one kind of came out of nowhere. Will Butcher and a fifth-round pick from New Jersey for nothing. I mean, Adams was asked yesterday, I guess it was, like, do you owe them anything at all? He's, he's like, it's future consideration, so no. I mean, I, I don't even think at this point they need to. I think future considerations, you had to send them, like, a seventh-round pick or something like that, like, years down the road, maybe. I don't, definitely don't fact-check me on that. But now it's like, yeah, we don't, we don't owe you anything. And it's, I mean... That's wild. You got a, a serviceable NHL defenseman. Um, he's a, like a left shot, so that's you know you probably want more righties, um, considering you have like Darlene and uh, I mean I guess Jacob Bryson. You did have McCabe, so I guess maybe you know Butcher could kind of try to fill his role, even though he's more on the power play. And McCabe was penalty kill, um, but I mean he had a down year, but it's still Will Butcher. It is kind of funny that like traded for Jimmy VC then he didn't come here and then you traded <laughs> for him again and then you uh they claimed Drake Kajula who uh the Sabres were in the running for for signing when he came out of college and now Will Butcher who decided that uh to go with New Jersey instead of Buffalo so I mean I'm still happy about it because you got a player for nothing they have the cap space they got an extra draft pick out of it I mean that's and I'm for New Jersey it cleared cap space so they could signed Dougie Hamilton so that's a win-win for everyone I mean I don't really think there's much much else to add but I mean what were your thoughts about when you you heard that Butcher was coming over I mean I think Butcher he's a guy that had two really good years in the NHL and two like so-so years so I think it's a nice little bet to try to hope that he bounces back to his first two years in the league I mean the one thing that bothered me with this trade was the fact that the Sabres made New Jersey I think retain a million dollars on this deal that was funny because it's like they're so far under the salary cap. I mean, they might even be below the cap floor, depending on what their RFA signed for, and they couldn't just take an extra million dollars. Do you think if they took like an extra draft pick? You, yeah, exactly. Do you think they could have gotten like a? <laughs> I don't think it would have been a third. I think the best they probably would have gotten would be a fourth. But still, I mean, that's what like 30, 30 some odd picks, thirty-two, I guess, picks away or thirty-one picks away from their fifth round one. So, I mean. There, there has to be something behind that, why they specifically had that happen. Because, like, 
I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. But that's something that's, again, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't make sense, but it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. I mean, they have an extra million dollars to spend elsewhere or to spend on a super yacht. Anyway, um, the <laughs> NHL draft came up, and I'm pretty much going to relinquish, relinquish, excuse me, got voice cracking, you know, got marble mouth over here. I don't really, I'm going to end up calling you like William or something like that. So Walt, I mean, I'm on a roll today, but um, when it comes to the draft of players, one, I don't know how to pronounce half the names. Let's be completely honest. Own power, pretty easy. Once it goes from there, not as, not as easy. I mean, Josh Bloom, that's pretty easy. Tyler Kozak, that's fine. But um, just wanted to get one, your analysis um, on that specific player. Uh, and then kind of who was maybe there that you would have preferred, or is it something that you, you totally love? Is, is this a pick you're like, hell yeah, that's exactly what they should have done right there. So um, the floor is yours, Walt. All right. I mean, I guess we could just kick things off with the Owen Power pick. I mean, that's a pick that I think that was kind of like the worst kept secret in hockey. I mean, I know there's some like rumblings that the series were interested in Eklund, but Owen Power was their guy pretty much this whole time and he was kind of who I expected the Sabres to draft ever since they won the lottery and I think I mean he's just such an interesting prospect I mean you don't get many like six foot six defensemen that could kind of do the things that he does at his age so I mean definitely a great guy to add to the system I mean I know it's kind of just pure Sabres luck that both their first overall picks happen to be left-handed defensemen but, I mean, I guess the Sabres will take that. I mean, they'll take what they can get. I mean, number one on my board at the time of the draft was Matt Beneers. But at the end of the day, I had him in a similar tier as Owen Power. And Beneers isn't a player who I think it's like the end of the world if you pass on him for a guy like Owen Power. I think Owen Power has a pretty high ceiling, and uh, we'll see what the Sabres could do with him. We'll see if he's even on the Sabres next year. He could go back to University of Michigan, but... At the end of the day, I think that's a pretty solid pickup for the Sabres. I mean, you take a guy like Owen Power if you can get him every day of the week, I think. Yeah, I mean, I will uh, interject the- here. I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, I will interject. Basically, just putting my two cents in, um, that I'm I'm not, like, mad that they chose Power, but I'm also not overjoyed. So, like, I'm not going to complain about it as much as, like, when they drafted like Jack Quinn or something like that. So like I pretty much geared myself to just come to terms with, yeah, they're taking power. Like, yeah, I wanted Beneers. I wanted Eklund, one of those two guys. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, it, it was a little bit overblown. Like he's still a really good prospect. He might just not have been like number one. He might've been number three or four or five. I think at one point, you know, TCB had him at, at seven. I think he got, I think he bumped down and was was top five by the end of the year. But um, when it comes to Powers' development, I just I really want to see him go back to Michigan. Just it's like just don't force. It doesn't make any sense to force him into the NHL onto a team that's rebuilding. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Give him a year. Let him go back to college. Play in front of fans. Try to win a national championship. I mean, he's going to be playing against good competition. He's going to have good teammates. It's going to make him better. He's going to be practicing against those guys every single day. Let him go back for a year. I, I see no problem with that at all. Some people want the first overall, you know, player to to play in the NHL immediately. I'm just with with all of these prospects, whether you're pick first or last, I'm giving them as much time as they need. We're not rushing this like Casey Middlestat. We're not rushing this like I can't really give another example right off the top of my head, but 
just give them time. And that's what I'm going to do with Owen Power is, you know what? If he goes back to Michigan next year, and then let's say he signs, but he has to play with Rochester for a little bit to get his feet a little wet. I'm sure some people are going to be really upset about that. I'm not going to be. I'm playing the long game here. So I just wanted to put my two cents in on power. I wasn't sure if you agree or disagree with anything of that. But before you went on with everything else, I just had to say that. Yeah, I mean, I think Owen Power, I think his development path, I feel like I don't I don't really think there's a wrong answer with him because he's just one of those guys who's able to, like, learn things really fast. So I think, I mean, maybe he could do well in an NHL role, but there's also University of Michigan that's going to be stacked next year. So maybe he'll do better going back there and winning some big hockey games, getting to play in the tournament. So I really don't think there's a wrong answer there. And, I mean, the, like you said, I mean, the Owen Power pick is pretty solid. I mean... There's really nobody I was really, like, banging on the table for the Sabres to draft at that first overall pick. I mean, in terms of, like, first overall talent, it was, like, pretty down compared to uh, previous drafts. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, if you get a guy like Owen Power, I think that's a solid pickup. And then I guess we could just go right into the Sabres' uh, 14th overall pick. I don't want to mess up his last name. I think it's like, I know it's not pronounced Rosen. It's like Rosen or something. I think it's Rosen Rosen or Rosen. One of those two, I believe. Oh, Rosen. Yeah, either one of those. I mean, I know as soon as he comes to Buffalo, it's going to somehow change to Rosen. But (laughs) he's just a pretty, I mean, he's just such a fun offensive player. I mean, it's really not a type of prospect we've seen the Sabres really go for it. Their second picks in the past few drafts they've had a pretty high second pick i mean just the skill he has i mean at the under 18s tournament he looked awesome and even at this road junior summer showcase that's going on right now he's been pulling off some pretty crazy moves there for like a sweden team that's not the strongest so i think you're really just betting on his talent here i mean he didn't really show too much in the shl but i mean neither do most guys his age i mean he does show a player who will constantly improve and has a great skill level which gives him a pretty high ceiling which is definitely an intriguing wing prospect to add to the saber system so i think i think i'd take that pick i mean he wasn't really my ideal pick i liked his uh team at the u18s fabian the cell a little bit better but he dropped all the way to boston in the 20s so at the end of the day i mean isaac rosen was a guy i had rated pretty much right in that range so i mean i'm definitely happy with that pick and then I guess we could just go right into the second round pick. So the two Russians, Prokhor Poltipov and Alexander Kisikov. And these are two guys that I really didn't expect the Sabres to draft just because they haven't been taking Russians in like literally forever. So the fact that they were able to pick up these two guys was pretty surprising. I mean, I definitely wanted Logan Stankoven. I was hoping he could even follow that second second round pick. That didn't happen, but... I mean, Poltipov and Kisikov, definitely two very interesting players. I mean, Poltipov has a great bit of skill. He loves getting to the net. I mean, Kisikov, too, scored a bunch of goals in the MHL last season. I mean, it seems like the Sabres have a player that's a type right now. I mean, it seems like they're really going for forwards that have a good amount of skill and forwards that are able to get to the dangerous areas of the ice, which is definitely, I mean, that's right up my alley in terms of drafting, so... Definitely a fan of those second-round picks. Third round, uh, Steven Sardarian and Josh Bloom. Definitely two guys I didn't really know much about pre-draft. Uh, Josh Bloom, he's one of those OHL guys who didn't get to really play last season uh, at all, really. So, I mean, we'll see how much he progressed over the past year without playing an organized game. I mean, 
he should be a pretty fun prospect to follow. And then probably the most fun pick of the draft, Steven Sardarian. I mean, he, like, crushed the Russia under-18 league, I believe, last season, like, over three points per game there. Uh, didn't really have the smooth transition to the MHL in a really deep team, but he's just such a skilled player. Uh, he's coming over to North America. This next season, he'll be playing for Youngstown in the USHL, and then he'll eventually go to the University of New Hampshire to continue his development there. Definitely a fun player to keep an eye on. Maybe a little too high to draft him, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really know where other teams had him on their board, so, I mean, I'll still take that pick. Then we go into the two uh, JHL picks, another league the Sabres really haven't drafted from too often. Olivier Nadeau, definitely a power forward type of guy. Uh, played his entire season in Shawinigan with two other first-round picks on his line. And he was definitely like a key piece of that line, just like a power forward, loves getting to the dirty areas. And then they take a finish forward, uh, Vujami Marjala, out of Quebec in the QMJHL. And he's just a really creative passer, uh, definitely some skill there. So he'll be another interesting bet. Uh, William Von Barnikow, don't really know much about him at all. I know uh, Austin was a pretty big fan of the pick because I think the FC hockey guys are pretty high on him. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, Nikita Novikov, he had a pretty good tournament as a defenseman for the Russia U18 teams. Uh, very young prospect. I believe he's a July birthday. So he pretty much just turned 18. So we'll see how he develops. I mean, late round pick. Kind of a long shot bet, but we'll see what happens there. And then Tyson Kozak, the final pick out of the WHL in Portland. He's a guy who has shown some dynamic qualities in his game, really hasn't been able to put it all together yet. And if he does, he could be a very interesting prospect. I mean, I kind of like that bet in the seventh round. I mean, maybe he could turn into something. So I think at the end of the day, I mean, the Sabres draft, the one word I used to describe, it's definitely unexpected. I definitely didn't expect them to really go for guys that are both skilled and could get to the dangerous areas of the ice. And just the fact that they seem to have some vision now with their drafting, especially compared to last year's draft, I was like all over the place. I think it's definitely encouraging to see. Yeah, it was definitely a a moment where they could have essentially did what they did last year. And everyone can just be kind of down on it again. Like we've talked about it before, you know, Jack Quinn, obviously. They traded up for Paterka, so they didn't trade up in this draft, which was good. Um, you know, they drafted Constantini, um, which, again, we've, we've said already enough about that. Um, but, yeah, this is – it was surprising. Um, a lot of skill, which is something that we were looking for in, you know, the later rounds um, in years before. Uh, like Aaron Huglin was pretty much like – as, as skilled as you got in those later rounds. So that was good to see, too. The one thing that stuck out to me, I mean, there's plenty of things that stuck out to me about these prospects, but the one is that Kisikov is 5'10, like a buck 40, a buck 50, and he had 90 penalty minutes last year. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think there's, I mean, I think there's a lot of those guys have some, even if they are skilled, they have grit to their game and they have pushback and stuff. So, I think that's what's another aspect of not only having the speed, the skill, the um, the mind to process, you know, just as fast as their feet and their hands are moving, um, is also having those guys that they aren't necessarily the biggest, 
but they have that pushback and they're you know willing to do you know the go to the dirty areas they're willing to to do what is needed essentially for the team and those are the the intangibles that uh the <laughs> the suburban hockey dads love so um, <laughs> i mean i just i found that pretty interesting i i heard it's and it was just one comment from you know not 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 necessarily like an insider or prospects guy but someone that knows more about this guy than i do obviously basically saying it was some of it was pretty undisciplined so he's still young i mean give him plenty of time especially the russian guys i'm going to give them plenty of time um you know just to develop and and play those tournaments because it seems like when it comes to these like younger russian teams whether it's like the world juniors or any of those like tournaments that are going on um you know it seems like they're gonna have a pretty solid lineup and i would assume that at least a couple savers prospects are going to be on those those teams so those are going to be fun to watch because i obviously in the years before i mean anyone on the russian team we just whether they were drafted obviously we didn't care about because they weren't with the sabers or if they were undrafted we're like well sabers aren't going to draft them anyway so it's actually going to be interesting to watch uh, watch some russian teams and and see players from our organization on them so i'm pretty excited about just the overall draft um you know later rounds are more or less just flyers um, but some, you know, just hearing what people have said about those guys in the later rounds, you know, maybe like fifth round and beyond, uh, it's, you know, it's positive and I'll, I'll, I'll certainly take it. Um, I really wanted, and I wasn't sure, you know, why he fell so hard. Um, I didn't, it's not like I did a huge case study on him. I definitely watched a couple videos, but R2 Ratu falling to, what was it, 52, where the Sabres drafted Kisikov 30, uh, 53. Um, I, I, kind of wanted that one to fall through for the Sabres, but good on the Islanders for taking him. Do you know why he fell so far? I thought maybe he was going to fall to like that, the first 10 picks in the second round, maybe, because I heard, you know, he was in danger of falling out of the first round, but he fell pretty far. Yeah, I mean, Atu last season, I think his confidence was definitely just like wrecked. I mean, he was going in as probably a top 10 pick into last season, and then I mean, he gets kicked off his Liga team uh, due to underperformance pretty much. He got dropped down to the junior level. Also, didn't even make the Finnish World Junior team that he made the season before. I mean, just like stuff like that just piling on him. And he didn't have the best draft year. And now he's actually having a great uh, time at the World Junior Summer Showcase. I think he has like 11 or something points in five games there. So it looks like maybe he's getting his swagger back a little bit. And... I was pretty surprised that he fell all the way to the 50s. Like, I think, I thought his, like, name alone, like, from how hyped up he was in previous years would be enough to sneak him into the late first round with, like, one of those teams like Boston or the, or, like, just a really good team just taking a flyer with the late first round pick. I thought he'd sneak in there, but falling to the 50s, definitely not something I foresaw. Are you mad? Because I have seen some people a little... Not upset, but a little perturbed um, by the their their first pick in the second round. For the life of me, I cannot say his name. I'm trying Poltapov. I know his last name is Poltapov. His first name. Working on it. Um, but are you worried or not worried? I guess because it already happened. But are you having any kind of like revisionist history kind of thoughts towards taking Poltapov at 33? I mean, I think. I had higher players available on my personal list, but I mean, at the end of the day, those second round picks, even though they're pretty high picks, they're really just like crapshoots. And I think 
it's pretty hard to tell at this point like who's gonna have the best NHL or I think Poltapov's a guy whose name will definitely be in that mix. I mean, I think I was like more shocked by the fact they even took a guy like Prokar Poltapov, who's a prospect I always liked. I mean, just because he's like a Russian prospect, I mean Sabres don't really draft from there, so I think just the shock from that was like enough to like make me happy with the pick because it's like now the Sabres at least at least we know they have their options open to pretty much every league that plays hockey. I mean, now that they're drafting Russian players, because that was always just a huge criticism of their drafting before and just really never taking those value picks on those Russian guys in the later rounds. But now that I know they're willing to do that, I mean, I think that alone makes me happy with the Poltapov pick. Yeah, I'm really exactly like you said. They're they're willing to to draft from everywhere, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the next time they take someone from the Belgian league. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's one of those uh, you know kind of it opens your eyes a bit uh, to you know their the differences that are rolling through. I mean the changes that we saw for this draft, I feel, are only going to increase. Like next year, you know, they might do something else that they might draft a ton of defensemen or something like that from from the CHL, you know, or something like that. So I, I think there's, instead of kind of boxing them in and saying the Sabres are probably going to avoid the Russians, are probably not going to take anyone from, you know, the CHL, and they're, they're most likely going to take people from Sweden and Russia, or not Russia, uh, Finland, excuse me, um, and, you know, college, essentially. It's no longer you know, them boxed in like that. So I'm pretty excited to, to see, you know, not only, um, you know, what these guys do, but just kind of their plan moving forward for next year's draft as well. So, um, you know, I'm, like I said on past episodes, I'm just excited to, to get back into prospects because I used to love it when, you know, the, you know, the Reinhardt draft and the Eichel draft and uh, when the Sabres were terrible and that's really all you had to look forward to. So, Kind of seems like we're going back to that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited to see what these guys can do and, and what's to come. So um, let's move on to, to free agency where um, we will dive into kind of the philosophy as to who the Sabres signed and why they signed them and everything. But let's just go over the people they lost. Um, first things first, the, actually the two people that I'm going to bring up, I loved. Like as people, as players – um, and it's it really it it sucks it sucks to see them go. It's probably for the best for them, and I mean maybe not for the Sabers, but it's definitely best for them. Let's be completely honest. Linus Olmark signs with the Boston Bruins for four years, and uh, so does Jake McCabe. He signs or he doesn't sign with Boston, but he signs with Chicago for four years. Um, Olmark, um, man, I mean I just really liked him a lot. Uh, as a person and um, you know him going to Boston it just stings he's going to Boston it just it just sucks man I mean it just I don't like that but um, then there's Jake McCabe who uh, lives in Chicago in the off seasons um, so I always kind of knew that Chicago was some kind of possibility when it came to unrestricted free agency um, turns out they were so there you go Olmark and McCabe are gone those are the two big uh, players that left in free agency, unless I'm missing someone. Um, but yeah, I mean, what were your thoughts on just losing those two guys? We kind of knew McKay was gone, um, but Olmark, I kind of had hope for, and then just seeing him go to Boston, which again, it's the best thing for him. And you know, I'm not going to hold that against him at all. But oh man, it's just it's disappointing. But uh, what were your thoughts on on those two guys leaving? 
Yeah, I think it definitely like stinks to lose them just from like a Sabres perspective. But I mean, I guess I'm just really happy for them, like finding the situations they're able to find. I mean, I know Jake McCabe's a guy I love Chicago. He trains there every offseason, he lives there. So I think just for him getting like a four year deal with pretty good money uh to join them, I think that's that's just great for him. And Linus Olmark. I mean, I know David Krejci just retired today in Boston, but I mean talk about a great situation for any goalie to step into what that team Boston has. I mean, you get to contend for a cup pretty much every season. So I think, oh, Mark, I mean, Buffalo would have to offer me, like, significantly more money to, like, be willing to leave a chance at the cup on the table in Boston. So I don't really, like, blame either guy for wanting to leave this situation. I mean, I honestly don't know why they'd want to stay in this situation. So... At the end of the day, I'm definitely uh, pretty much as happy for both of them. Yeah, as for as as people, I'm just definitely happy for them, and obviously as players, um, you know, I, I think, and we will talk about it a little bit more, but might as well just sprinkle it in now when it comes to Adam's press conference the other day. Um, you know, basically saying like we're not going to get emotional about it, and you know, we're going to stay within ourselves. Um, now it's not staying within ourselves where we have like Dougie Hamilton and we're going to offer him like $6.2 million a year. And then he ends up going to sign for $9 million a year, but they're going to stay within themselves. They're not going to overpay. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect Matt Molson, Kyle Pozo, Jeff Skinner contracts being handed out by Kevin Adams uh, anytime soon. So, I mean, you're going to have to pay a premium because you're the Buffalo Sabres. And I mean, you know, Olmark made his decision. Adams was happy with the the offer he presented to Olmark and his his staff. Um, you know, the agent and, and family. So, you know, again, don't hold it against him. You know, I, I love Olmark. I love McCabe. But we'll always think of them fondly, and can only wish them the best of luck. So, let's talk about some people that the Sabers actually added: um, Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell. Which, fun fact, I put this out on Twitter, but fun fact, Aaron Dell's only win last year came against the Sabres. Um, <laughs> one, I mean, it was kind of a result. I wouldn't necessarily was the result, but uh, because you don't know where other goalies would go, but waiting so long for Olmark to sign, a lot of guys came off the board. Then at 10 p.m., you're signing Anderson and Dell to be your two starters. And it sounds like... They won't be bringing in any other goalie. It sounds like they tested the market to kind of see who was out there and available. It didn't work. Now we have goalies. You, know, you got Ronto over in Carolina, and Kemper was traded. And um, I mean, it's just you know, people goalies are flying all over the place. So, what do you think about those two guys signing here? Um, you know, what does that kind of tell you about uh, who the Sabers are are looking at when it comes to to veterans and goalies and? Um, I mean, we can kind of throw in, I guess, the, the other guys that signed. Uh, Vinny Henestrosa, you got Brandon Davidson coming back, John Hayden, um, a couple other guys for, for the Amherst. Um, and then the biggest thing is Rasmus Asplund signing an, an awesome contract. Two years at, at $825,000 a year. Um, yeah, he's a bottom six guy, but I've... I've personally liked him when he was playing for the Sabres uh, last season, even the season before where people were a little sour on, on how he was playing. I thought he was pretty good. So um, what do you think of not only about Anderson and Dell, but I guess just all the guys that they brought in and kind of the direction that the Sabres are showing us? You know, we're definitely giving our, our young guys the opportunity here. They, you know, they definitely can't feel like they're pigeonholed for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I think with the free agent signings, I mean, it really showed me two things, I guess. One, they're definitely working with, like, an in-house uh, salary cap right now, especially with a guy like Asplund. I mean, I think they paid him below his qualifying offers, so, I mean, they're kind of, like, penny-pinching right now. Yeah, but I at think. the same time, if he accepts that, then you say thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I won't, I like I won't hold it against him for that. Though. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'd respect for a guy like Asplund. I'd be like, all right, well, let's pay your qualifying offer because he's been – kind of just a warrior throughout the Sabres organization for the past few years with like his time in Rochester and then he worked his way up to Buffalo. But I mean, I guess if he signs for less, I mean, I'll definitely take it. Yeah. And then like the other moves, I mean, they're tanking a lot harder than I thought. Like especially <laughs> no. like Anderson and Dell in net. I mean, that's like, that's pretty much saying you plan on losing a ton of hockey games. So it's like, I mean, Hayden <sighs> Henestrosa, I mean, decent guys that felt the bottom line are probably great guys for the locker room but once again i mean it just this thing just screams like we're we'll be contending with arizona for 32nd place oh man i just i remember being there when uh the buckle when pesic scored that buckle oh yeah they signed mark pesic duh forgot I, how can oh, i forget yeah, about, forgot that? about they, that they got mark pesic <laughs> back which analytic darling everyone loved him i mean happy to have you back mark i don't know why you'd come back but i mean Happy to have you back, man. Um, oh, I just, I, I, I don't want to see, I don't want this to be a rebuild where people are like booing the Sabres scoring or like cheering the other team scoring. You know, like that just, that really rubs me the wrong way. Like, yeah, some like you're, you know, you're set up to suck and you're, you're set up to, to get a high draft pick, but don't, don't cheer the other team scoring. I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's just shades of what 20, 2014, 2015. Yeah, all that literally really the same stuff. two teams, too. I oh, mean, like, who would have thought Arizona, Buffalo again, seven years later, both being the two teams that are well, taking? Well, who, who was the third team? It was Florida. Look what they're doing now. They're acquiring yeah, Sam I mean, Reinhardt's. They're not getting rid yeah. of them. So, I mean, good, good for them. I mean, Florida. They made it out the trenches. Oh, God. I, I used to remember during the tank years, even before like 2012, 2013, stuff like that, even even in you know 2014, like really trying to save some money and being like, one of the Sabres playing the, the Panthers? Oh, they're playing them on a Thursday night in the middle of January? I'm there for $4. Like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I feel like at the end of the season, there's going to be some cheap tickets again. So you'll, you'll probably see me around Key Bank Center a bit, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. I mean, they're they're not making the splash. They're not signing Taylor Hall, um, who was uh, going to take them to the Stanley Cup, according to uh, our Lord and Savior Terry Pagula. Um, but yeah, I mean, they signed Asplund for two years, so I'm happy about that. Um, it is kind of funny, like just the difference between like I want to see what Middlestat signs for, and is definitely going to be more than Thompson. But like Asplund's making that much less than Thompson. I mean. I'll take it. Yeah. And again, I'm going to do my uh, seasonal thing. This is now going to be, I believe, the the third season upcoming, uh, where I say I believe in Tage Thompson, and then he just craps all over my dreams. So I believe in Tage Thompson. I believe he's going to figure it out this year. I don't think he's going to be sending blind backhand passes through the defensive zone slot. Um, mostly because he's still on the books for two years, so he's going to be here for a little bit. But to, I mean, you saw the. The effect, you know, all kidding aside, I'm not trying to crap on Thompson too much here because, like, there were flashes where he was being more aggressive. And, and again, it's just if those flashes can become more of a common occurrence, he'll actually be a serviceable 
pretty solid middle six winger. It's just he really needs to clean up, you know, the the errant passes and, and things of that nature. But keeping Asplin, Middlestat, and Thompson together, after what you saw they were able to do under Granado, I I'm with it. I mean it's not like they're going anywhere anyway, so might as well. And I'm, I'm someone who's preached about the continuity of lines. They put those those guys together again, and it's working and it's rolling. I mean, you keep a good thing going. So it's good that they got Asplund back. Uh, just I'm really curious to see what Middlestat signs for. Uh, what do you what do you think he'll sign for? Um, I mean, term I would assume probably some kind of bridge deal. But what do you like? Couple mil a year. Do you think? Yeah, Maybe. I, think, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I could I could pull up the evolving hockey. They have a contract projection. Yeah, that would be huge. Look what they have for middle stat. Yeah, while I you remember, pull, I think it was. While you pull actually, that, actually, I up. have it here right oh, now. There you so, go. their predicted term is like two or three years, and if it's a two or three year deal, their predicted cap hits like just a shade over two million dollars, two point four if it's three years. So I was thinking, at, like, like, if you can sign them to like a, like a three-year two point five. Like yeah, I know I mean, that. Would be, I, I would be. That'd cool be solid. That. Yeah, and then I think if they, if they go eight, which I mean I doubt would happen with his situation, they have that at four point six million. Yeah, who was it? Was it Dvorak or um, Fisher from Arizona? Was it Dvorak that signed like an eight-year yeah, four million dollar con? contract i'm like i mean arizona loves those deals i mean they love giving like they're like middle six young guys like just like eight year deals i mean i don't i like that's kind of what middle set's projecting to be like a skilled middle six guy i mean i'm not saying offer him eight years maybe i'm just gun shy because of what happened with with jeff skinner um and, and i just i really don't think kevin adams would do that but i'd I'd like to see him at least sign for three years. I'd say three years is fair. Once you get to like four, five, and six, it's a little weird. It's usually only like one, two, three, and then you yeah. kind of bump it up to like seven and eight. So, I mean, if they did sign him long term, I mean, they definitely liked what they saw last year. Um, but I think three years at like two point five million dollars is fair for for each side. So um, that that'd be nice. I, I wouldn't hate that, but. Let's move on to, um, I mean, we already kind of referenced it a bit already, but Adam's uh, press conference the other day with media, um, I mean, he's basically saying that they're not going to go above themselves. They're not going to get emotional about, you know, signing guys or, you know, throwing money at issues. And, and they're going to give guys like Cousins, Middlestad, Thompson, Asplund, uh, Darlene, Bryson, you know, a lot of these guys – time and and the opportunity to develop and and it seems like they're going to have a pretty long leash too so i mean he said a lot during that press conference and and we're definitely going to get to to the last part of it when it comes to to jack eichel but was there anything that kind of stuck out or is there you know anything that adams has said not only in this press conference but just you know in the past month or so about, you know, where this direction is taking them and, and kind of the best way they'll be able to not essentially not do what they did before, because it seems like what in 2015, Tim Murray and, you know, this revisionist history, or I may be recalling incorrectly or just making up a conspiracy theory, but it seems like the second he got Eichel, he's like, okay, I need to turn this around immediately. 
he goes get he gets well I mean not immediately but he knew he was getting Michael or McDavid so he gets Evander Kane and he gets Zach Bogosian and he ships off you know draft picks and stuff like that he at the draft gets Leonard and gets Ryan O'Reilly which was a good trade then got traded away we're not going to talk about that um do you see it going differently under Adams than it went under I mean how many freaking GMs under Murray and Botterill I mean that's kind of what I'm taking. I, I'm also a huge Kevin Adams fan. I just think he's a good guy, and I want to see him succeed because he's been put in a very tough position by people I dislike. So, <laughs> so I mean, at this point, I'm a big Kevin Adams fan, and I really want him to, to succeed, so I might have some blinders here. So I just wanted to get your opinions on where you think he's taking the team, what you think about his strategy, and and just kind of some of the comments he's made recently. Yeah, I, mean, I think the hard rebuild at this point, I mean, it's just like a fantastic move. That was kind of my main concern heading into this offseason was that he would maybe decide, like, let's try to, like, retool this thing or let's try to, like, still, like, stay mediocre but not finish in last place. But it's great to see they're going, like, all in on the youth movement. I think they, I think he definitely recognizes, like, the talent that's going to be there in 2022 and 23 at the top of those draft classes. I mean, you're looking at a bunch of guys, like multiple guys at the top of those drafts. You could be Jack Eichel replacements, maybe only one in 2022 with uh, Shane Wright. But I mean, Michkov and uh, Connor Bedard in 2023. I mean, both those guys project to be just like superstars. So, I mean, it's definitely a great time to rebuild. And it's great to see that he's going all in on it. And I think, I mean, after that Ristolainen trade, I mean, I kind of knew, like, they're, he's all aboard the youth movement. I mean, we've heard some rumblings. Who knows if they're true or not over the offseason? Like, they were maybe looking to trade Reinhardt to Columbus and taking a guy back like Merzlikens or Corpus Salo. I mean, it's like, that would be literally awful. So I don't, it's just like knowing that he's really looking for futures, really going all on the rebuild, not really wasting assets on useless pieces to help them over these next two seasons because they're going to be bad. They don't really need any help. Just all of that, I think. I I think he really understands like what this team needs and how to build it out going forward. And I'm probably more confident in him than any GM we've had since maybe Tim Murray because I was all aboard the Tim Murray train like 2014, 2015, like heading into those tank years. I thought he had a solid plan, but... Turns out I was wrong, and I'm usually wrong about GMs a lot. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, like I said, I, I have blinders for, for Kevin Adams again. I think he's a good person. He's put in a, in a tough spot. I mean, if someone came to you, you know, you're working in a Sabres organization, and they, you know, I mean, he was just doing his job, and they were like, hey, you want to be GM? And he was like, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> of course I do. Like, it's it's the same thing with, um, with like, Giergensen's or Eakin. I never get mad at them for or Opozo or even Molson. I don't get mad at them for signing the contracts they did. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna offer me that? Hell yeah! I, I'm I can't get mad at you, but yeah, I, at this point, when it comes to just the overall tone, I think you nailed it. Is he is looking towards the future and saving assets? Like I said, back in 2015, as much as we all loved Tim Murray and and thought he was doing the right thing. He did try to accelerate the rebuild once they got Eichel. And, I mean, we can go back and forth and, and 
maybe at some point we will, um, definitely during the dog days of summer, which is actually pretty short. I'm actually super excited that the off season, like the dead, the dead time in the off season is not that bad. This one, I know it's yeah. going to be a lot harder for, for players and especially next year with having the Olympics where it sounds like they're going to Beijing. So they're going to have an even tougher schedule and stuff like that. But as, as a fan, I love having a shorter off season because it gives you a little bit of time away, but like right when you're like, all right, I really want it back, it's going to be back. So I mean, I, I mean, months are flying by, and I we're gonna be hitting training camp before we even know it. So um, I'm just kind of excited about the you know it's going to be tough when it comes to like the games that we watch the Sabers play. Like the it's gonna be ugly, but as long as they stay the course. And it sounds like Kevin Adams is is, you know, putting his his foot down and saying I'm I'm sticking with my plan and I'm not going to deviate too far from it. That gives me hope. And I, you know what? At this point, that's what they need to keep selling. Um, I know it's probably too far gone for a lot of fans, but um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, cooler heads could prevail before they start losing fans. But um, trying to keep this under an hour, and we have. a about 12 minutes or less to try to talk about everything going on with Jack Eichel. Um, let's just start with what JSD, John Sebastian D, said uh, about Jack Eichel. This was translated, so take that with a grain of salt. You know, translations can always, you know, maybe lead you down the wrong path. And before I say this, I want to say that he played nine total games with the Penguins and four with the Sabres. So just with that in mind, please bear with me if I screw up reading this. I haven't had the chance to chat with him a lot. This is talking about Eichel. I don't think he's a bad person when you get to know him, but all I can tell you is he's not a Sidney Crosby. You see the difference in leaders when you walk into a room with Sidney Crosby. No matter who you are, your name, your pick rank, he'll take care of you. He will talk to you as if you're a partisan or an equal. A young person he meets in the street. I don't necessarily know exactly what that means, but that's what the translation says. Um, He's not a bad person, but there also might be reasons why Buffalo was in such a situation. Um, We're going to talk about that in a second. I have worked with leaders during my career, and you often see the difference. You see the way he behaves off the ice. He's an excellent hockey player, but at the leadership level, level, excuse me, I'm sure that the maturity and the age, he'll get better. So basically, he's going to get more mature and, and get better with age when it comes to leadership. But it's still pressure to be a captain and perform at that age. So he's recognizing that it is difficult. But I don't think he's the leader you can find in the Penguins. Okay, one, you're comparing, yes, a very young player as to, I guess you could, do you want to call Sidney Crosby old? He's an older player. Um, I mean, he was also brought into an organization with Mario frickin' Lemieux. Um, and lived with him for a year. So, I mean, Jack Eichel lived with Matt Molson. Nothing against Matt Molson, but there's a difference. Um, I mean, I can see maybe it's not only the games that he's played with the Sabres, but, you know, camps like training camp and um, and things of, you know, whatever kind of off-ice team events that they have. 
Um, you know, it. I don't think this is much of an indictment on Eichel as, as some people are making it out to be. I think Eichel's just naturally kind of a colder person. That's just his personality type. Um, and and Sidney Crosby, like I said, is they're just different people. Um, and for someone that really hasn't played too many games for both of these teams, like I can obviously I can respect his opinion over someone else that what wasn't around either of them. Um, but I don't know. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, um, and also what you thought he meant by he's not a bad person, but there might be reasons why Buffalo was in such a situation. Is that because Buffalo did it to themselves? Is it because Buffalo was doing it? Excuse me. It was. Was it because Jack was doing it to Buffalo with his quote unquote poor leadership or anything like that? What are your thoughts on the entire statement, but that specifically? Yeah, well, I mean, I think like the Sabers. I mean, the whole situation of Jack Eichel making him captain and stuff. I mean, it's hard to like parse out like which affected which. I mean, the one thing I do know is that the Sabres have been probably the most poorly run North American sports team in like modern day sports probably ever, like over the past decade span. And it just in terms of like signing players, like personnel decisions, I mean, ownership stuff, like everything, they've just been pretty much like the epitome of just a bad organization. So I feel, I think like placing all the blame on Eichel's shoulders is a little too much especially from a guy that really only spends like maybe training camp and a few regular season games with guys like Crosby and Eichel. I mean, I think, I think a major problem in hockey, like even the NHL is that we expect like the best players on each team to also be the best leaders. And that's not always the case, but I mean, if you look across the league, most teams captains happen to be like the best players on that team too. I mean, that's kind of turning into a new tradition in hockey and maybe it's not the best thing because I mean not every great athlete is a great leader as well I mean obviously they probably have a great work ethic just even be able to get to the point they're at but I mean in terms of leading others they may not always be the best person and I know we could go back to Ryan O'Reilly but I mean when they picked Jack Eichel to be captain over Ryan O'Reilly I mean that was a pretty big moment and I think I mean, who knows where they'd be at right now if they would have picked O'Reilly over Eichel that one summer as captain. I mean, O'Reilly would probably still be on the team because I doubt they'd trade the captain for, like, a bag of pucks. So I think, I mean, Eichel's leadership, I mean, from everything we've heard from the current players and past players, I mean, it may not be the best, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the Sabres are still just a really bad hockey team. Pretty much because over the past few years, they've had a bunch of really bad hockey players. Like, I wouldn't put uh, too much of the blame on like, on the shoulders of Eichel's leadership. Yeah, I, I really wouldn't either. Um, but I, I think here's something. I mean, I, you, we can debate. I, I, I don't really think it's a debate, but look what Toronto did. They had to choose between Austin Matthews and John Tavares. They chose a better captain. John Tavares is probably a better captain than, than Austin Matthews would be um, for all zero Toronto Maple Leafs fans that listen to our podcast. Sorry for maybe triggering you. I don't know. Um, but I, it just that's kind of the same thing. It's They had a choice between O'Reilly and Eichel, and they went with Eichel. And I'm not saying he's a bad leader. Obviously, I how the hell would I know firsthand? But, um, you know, 
it's it's interesting to hear stuff like that, especially, I mean, again, he's not someone that, that was around him all that much, but you just kind of assume that players, if if they don't have anything good to say, they usually don't say it at all, especially when it comes to like players they played with and stuff like that. So to see that, it was surprising, and I can kind of see why people really jumped on it because you just never really hear stuff about that, and especially when you hear it about your captain and you know the guy you know Michael who's in this situation and uh, and all that I mean it's just it was it's interesting um, and I, I'm interested to see the fallout not only of what he said specifically because I don't think anything's going to happen to him but what comes out once Eichel is finally gone what comes out I mean is he going to be bad mouthing the Sabres the entire time because Olmark left Reinhardt left. They both said fantastic things. Which, by the way, let's talk about Reinhardt wanting to to sign here long term, and then Kevin Adams gave him a one year contract. I mean, I I get it because they do want to rebuild and go go with the youth. But oh, that one that was like a kick between the legs. That one hurt. I mean, we're not gonna yeah, we're not I mean, gonna thrive on that too much. But I mean, did you want to say something about that? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a hundred percent on ownership because it seemed like all of yeah, last season they weren't fair. really into dedicating long-term money to players i mean they had a chance to probably even get a guy like taylor hall like i think he would even sign like six years six million per or something oh god but i mean they were only willing to go one year on a lot of like that big money contracts so i mean i think like honestly at the end of the day most of the negative things about kevin adams like i mean obviously i don't know because i'm not in the room but i feel like they could be directives from ownership yeah and i mean it kind of kind of goes back to everyone calling him just a yes man, which I think he's very much less of one now. But I think at at the end of like you know, especially last year when he was pretty much by himself, he was by himself. Let's be completely honest. He had like two other guys that were like part time. We'll see you when we see you, kind of <laughs> kind of people. I don't know. That's that's not true. But um, no, I think it was true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying I'm trying to save my ass from from making fun of them too much but i mean like they they left them with nothing last year man i just yeah. i couldn't believe that he had to do all of that not by himself i understand there were some other people but not nearly enough and i understand covid and getting rid of people but it's just it was just bad it was just bad i think he's much less of a yes man but at the end of the day i mean you still need to get the boss's approval so it's it's tough, but I do like I said I I do think he's kind of digging his heels in the sand with the direction he wants to take this team, and I think ownership's going to let him. So I hope ownership has finally come to their senses and just kind of backed off. But you know we'll we'll see. But oh man, I mean, is there really anything else to talk about with the whole Eichel situation? I mean, I guess really the main thing would be kind of like, did Kevin Adams did he? Should he have folded earlier with some of these uh, trade offers? Because, I mean, now it looks like Minnesota's definitely off the table at this point. Vegas is looking like they very well may be off the table, too, even with the Alex Tuck injury. And it's like, you look at the teams, I mean, LA, too, another team, they're probably off the table now for good. And you look at the teams left, it's like Calgary, Rangers and uh anaheim for the love of god do not trade him to the rangers i none of us can handle that and of course that's what's going to happen but oh god yeah because if neither those if neither anaheim or new york's giving up like zegris drysdale Kako, or lafreniere i mean the rangers could probably offer a better package than anaheim without their top guys but even then it's still not as good as the stuff they could get from like vegas or minnesota 
I mean, I was just like, I was so prepared for him to go to one in Vegas or Minnesota because just adding a guy like Peyton Krebs or Marco Rossi or Matt Boldy, that would have just been huge for the rebuild. And I don't think any of the teams left really have guys like in that tier because I think Lafreniere and Kako are pretty much a clear tier above those guys. I mean, at least in the terms of the GM's eyes, I mean, not my eyes. I think guys like Rossi can be on the same level. And Trevor Zegers, he's a guy whose value is probably sky high right now. I mean, it'll probably never be higher throughout his NHL career, I think. So just like the teams that are left, I mean, it's just like I don't know how he's going to manage to pull off a trade before training camp because I know there's really no hard deadline for a trade since he's under contract and the NMC doesn't kick in until next offseason. But, I mean, we're talking about pretty much a shit show in a training camp if he's still on the team, especially if they have him, like, report to camp and talk to the media. I mean, we're talking about something that could really turn into something much bigger than it has to be just because they didn't make a trade when they should have. Yeah, I mean, I will say that we we didn't keep it under an hour, but think of it as, like, free baseball or free hockey. You get free, free extra podcast time. But, um, yeah, I mean, oh, I just... I know you can't bring him back to, to training camp. And, I mean, I'm sure he would do kind of his best to be cool about it. But, I mean, it sounds like they're they're really upset with the, the fact that he hasn't been traded already. He's like, I want to know where I'm playing next year. And it's like, dude, it might be Buffalo. <laughs> you might not like it, but it might be Buffalo. Um, I mean, would you – because it's starting to get – I feel like the longer it goes – the worse his value is getting. Would you take something like um, a like? Would you try to get the better prospect and better uh, draft pick, or would you try to go kind of Ryan O'Reilly esque, where you try to get quantity over quality? Because like, what if you got like a Boldy and another top ten protected first round pick? Like, yeah, that is certainly not what I want. But at the end of the day, you. Sounds like you kind of need to get rid of the guy. Unfortunately, I I commend Adams for saying I'm holding firm, and you know we I have no problem having him here for for training camp or whatever. But like, I don't know, man. That's just that's just a recipe for disaster. You want to keep keep whatever distractions away from from the younger guys, and I'm sure the younger guys would do their best to to not let it distract them anyway. But at some point, I mean, like they're just going to get asked about it, and and you just can't avoid it. So. Um, would you do something where it is wildly it's going to be underwhelming regardless so like let's just take that off the table would you do something that's like a like a like a boldy and a conditional first or like a rossi and a conditional second where if Eichel plays a blank amount of games or something like that it turns into a first i mean again yeah sucks but like what else are you gonna do what, is that something you're even interested in would you try to get more quantity rather than quality i mean i'm just trying to figure out exactly what they could even try to do to salvage this at this point yeah i mean at this point i mean with the teams that are left on the table i honestly have no idea what they could do because i mean i would definitely be willing to take less of a package i mean it doesn't seem like the sabers are but if like a guy like Krebs or Boldy or Rossi was coming back. But now that those guys are off the table and we're dealing with teams that seem really adamant about not giving up those top guys, I really have no idea what his plan is going forward. Because I think they, I think the other teams really called this bluff here. Because, I mean, 
like I see, you always hear like, "Oh, Eichel's under contract; he should just play it out." But I mean, like we all know, I mean, just these, not gonna work. People are humans. Yeah, yeah this is just, an NHL twenty-one. Yeah, exactly. Like, like these are like real humans, real situations. Like he's not gonna be playing here again. So it's like I think other teams started calling Adams bluff, and it's like, okay, then start next season with him, and then he's like, oh, okay, I will. And then, like, he slowly starts to realize, like, oh, no, I actually can't do that. Because yeah. it could be really messy, especially if I'm trying to build something here, start something new. Like, you pretty much got to keep two separate locker rooms at that point if he's back. Like, give him, like, a – give him his own, like, private locker room or something. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. But it's, like, at this point, he very well could have overplayed his hand here. I mean, we'll see what ends up happening uh i don't know i just after after all those signings for like vegas and minnesota i mean i definitely started getting worried like yeah oh no what are I they mean, gonna do now flat flat cap and he's making 10 million dollars a year on that cap and he's injured like that injury just ruined everything i mean which there's multiple injuries that he was dealing with but like the big one obviously is his neck i mean that injury just killed him i mean that was just like they were already in the ditch and closing the you know the the casket and i mean that injury just poured the dirt on top of them i mean it was once that happened it, we we probably should have seen the writing on the wall like oh this is going to get really really bad because he's going to want out and he didn't play well because he was injured in like rib and ankle and the neck i mean it's just it's just really messy i mean like that's just kind of a luck thing you know, they didn't – it was nothing the Sabres did for him to injure his rib in the offseason and then have some someone fall on his ankle and screw that up and then I think take whatever was like a weird hit or something like that that messed up his neck. I mean, it's not the, it's not the Sabres' fault or whatever, but oh, it, it's just tough. I mean – Yeah, that's the I Sabres am, for you. I am firmly in the camp we are not retaining any money. No, I will not retain any money on his contract. If that means you're not getting a first-round pick and you're getting a second, fine. Fine. But, that I mean, he's he's under contract for years and years. Just take as much cap space as you can. You're going to hopefully want to use it on guys like, you know, I guess maybe Darlene would be this summer, but Cousins and Middlestat whenever his, you know, contract runs up and, whomever, you know, own power and Rosine and whoever they choose in 2022. And so it's just, it's a messy, messy situation. And I mean, at the end of the day, they, they can, doesn't mean they should, and is going to be disgustingly gross, but they can say, dude, you got to come back. Like there's no other option. We didn't <laughs> trade you. Like they can't, like, there's no other option, obviously, if you haven't traded them, like you, they can do that, but it just that it doesn't make any sense for yeah. anyone. I mean, I, mean, I think he'd be really still bad. here. Yeah, I think I I mean, me personally, if I was in his shoes, I would I mean, obviously worst case scenario is he's still here at training camp. I would maybe even just say like let's just say like your neck's still injured and we'll put you on injury reserve and it's like don't even report. We'll try to work on a trade throughout the season. I mean, that's honestly the avenue I would go on if I was in Kevin Adams' shoes, because I really don't think anything could get Anything good could come out of him playing another game in the Sabres uniform. I mean, obviously you don't want – I mean, imagine if he's, like, not really able to bounce back, like, shooting-wise. Like, if his next still bothers him there. I mean, you're talking about a guy whose value is going to take a real big hit, especially at a $10 million cap hit. So it's like – I really don't think anything good could come out of him playing another game for the Sabres. 
I mean, and he could pull like a Pierre Luc Dubois where he takes a shift off. That's going to tank his value too. So yeah, I, I think one of the best things for him is to to show people he's healthy and he can play. But again, like he doesn't want to be in Buffalo. Yeah, like he doesn't want to put on that jersey again. Sorry, it's just the way it is. The Sabers had it since 2015 to figure the shit out, and it's six, seven years, six years later, and they haven't. So I mean. I think it's a good chance he's not the same, too. I mean, like a neck injury, especially with the way he skates, the way he shoots. I mean, I think there's a chance he really loses a dynamic ability in his game if the neck injury is as serious as it sounds. Because, I mean, that's like he's a guy that relies a ton on athleticism and just losing that. I mean, he's still such a smart hockey player. He'd still be effective, but he's not going to be the Jack Eichel we saw in 2019. He'll probably be closer to Jack Eichel we saw last season. I think if that, if he does play for the series again, and that's the case, I mean, talk about tanking your value. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know what Kevin has to do then. He'd just have to take what he could get, especially for a guy making $10 million. You would have to probably put in a sweetener. You would have to probably be giving stuff up to, to just get rid of him yeah. at that point. I mean, part of his game is that he's a big body and he's able to shield pucks and, and absorb contact. I mean, now he's got a spinal issue. That's not as easy anymore. It's just the way, I mean, it's just, again, that, that injury tanked. I mean, that it tanked the Sabres' opportunities to, to get rid of him. It tanked, could have tanked his career. It's ugly. I mean, it's it's really bad. I, I don't envy being in Kevin Adams' shoes. I mean, I really don't at all, ever. Yeah, but, definitely not. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's just, there's nothing really else to say. Everyone knows the situation, but what, what's he gonna do? Like, what's the what's the worst he could do? Could he could he go to like Russia? Like, could he I mean, could he I sign guess. a contract elsewhere and just go play there? I get like I'm I'm just throwing anything at the wall just to seeing if it could stick at this point. Yeah, I mean the thing is with Eichel, I think like it's a situation where I honestly think the Sabers could lose him for nothing, and I still don't think it would like kill this rebuild. I mean, because like. I still think they could build something out of this that's like better than what we've been doing with the past decade. I mean, that's really not that hard to do. I guess like the whole situation is just like it's just so ugly. I mean, I guess it's just like it's just a cloud hanging over like this a, franchise. Until yeah. you get rid of them, you really can't make that next step. Your your foot is out the door, but you haven't hit pavement yet. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah, on your way out, it. but you haven't gotten there yet until he's gone. Which again, like with Reinhardt and Eichel, we didn't want them. We don't want to get rid of them. We've de- and, and people are going to be like, well, you wanted to get rid of Eichel like you wanted to get rid of O'Reilly because people loved saying that once they saw O'Reilly do all the things he did in St. Louis. It's just like, no, I mean, that wasn't true either. Um, but, I mean, no one wanted this to happen. No one. Like, the players didn't want this to happen. Management, the owners, I mean, as mad as you are at them, they didn't want this to happen. No one wanted this to happen. But this is where they are now, and and they need to make that next step. So I think we really seriously need to start considering that they're not going to get the return that they want. I love making the joke, the the untouchable joke, when it comes to the Rangers. Zach Jones. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. I mean, but you need to to start 
accepting that Eichel is not going to get nearly as much as you thought he was going to. I've started accepting that, and it's and I've also started thinking of this team like he's not even part of the team anymore. I, well, obviously, duh. I mean, yeah, really groundbreaking analysis there, Bill. Um, but it, it's like even if he's still on the team, he's not part. Like he's not on the team. Like I can look at this team without him on it. The only thing that is he's part of the team is literally just his cap hit. So, like you said, I don't think it will severely damage what they're trying to do moving forward because like he's pretty much written off anyway it's all but like all but traded essentially so again they're they have their foot out the door they're about to take the next step just for them to hit pavement on their way out they got to get rid of them unfortunately and it sucks to say it sucks to say the guy that you tanked super hard for and you're essentially your gm was kind of pissed that you lost the the draft lottery for and this is where it's ended up, but this is where we are, and and we need to look forward because looking back isn't going to do anything for for anyone. Um, it might make us feel better to to complain about all the issues that have come up, and we certainly will. Trust me, that's that's not going away. But at the same time, there's it's a new age with the Sabers, and so I'm excited about that. It's going to be t- I'm I'm not going to be terribly excited when it's a Tuesday in December and I flip on a Sabers game. And they're getting smoked already with, you know, five minutes into the first period and they're down two. But I mean, this is what's good. We've been through it before. So at least we know what's happening. We've been through multiple rebuilds before. So we know what to expect on the ice. So find something to cling to. I'm going to cling to the the prospects that the Sabres drafted here. And I'm really going to try to get into the prospects that are coming up this next year. Um, the the draft guide this past year was awesome. Sounds like it's going to be even better next year. I mean, obviously, you guys are just building on top of that. Uh, sounds like it's going to be coming out a little bit earlier next year, too, because I know it was a little little late this year. But nevertheless, awesome work by everyone. Um, I mean, we have uh, – I guess you can, you can kind of preview. We have a, a guest joining us later in August um, to talk about some of these Russian uh, players that the Sabres have gotten. Um, do you want to maybe teaser that or, or give a quick preview on that? Yeah, I mean, we're looking to have a Dylan Griffin. He's going to be joining us on a podcast soon to talk about uh, kind of all the Russian prospects the Sabres drafted and really the Russian prospects, too, in the next two drafts. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. Mirosh Nishenko, Michkov, Yurov, all names to watch out for. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Russian prospects with him. He follows the MHL really closely. Uh, covers the Russian prospects for EP ringside, so should be a fun episode. Oh, absolutely! I'm looking so I'm looking forward to that so much. Just getting an outside perspective on these guys, and um, because it, it is one of those things where they're they're they're, they're the Sabers prospects, so all these guys are going to make it, and this this is how they're going to do it. But to get you know someone on the outside to to kind of analyze the guys that uh, he's been watching, uh, trust me, a lot more than me. I can't speak for you, but definitely a lot more than me. It's not like I'm watching uh, Russian junior leagues very much. Again, it's just become like. We didn't think they were going to draft a bunch of Russians, and now we yeah. know that they will. But we didn't know that before. So, um, anyway, I mean, I that that was a a jam filled episode. And if you made it to this point, I want to thank you for for your support. Um, definitely be sure to check out the Charging Buffalo uh, www.thechargingbuffalo.net. Uh, follow them on Twitter, the Charging Buff B U F. Um, this is the Sabermetrics podcast. Hosted by the Charging Buffalo, we'll catch you on the next one.